Everybody, it's Nick Caputo, the creator of the Caputo Method of Holistic Ease. I'm here with Wild Quetzal, here to discuss some topics that I've been waiting to talk about with you guys for a long time. Welcome. Thank you, thank you. So, uh, yeah, we'll get into it. I guess we'll give everybody a minute to come in, see if it gives us a share link so we can post it. Settings. It might just be the, the link at the top. Hmm. You mean the one that says invite guests? Um, the one that. Nah, that's not it. No, just like the browser link, like the. Oh, true. You know, I don't. I, I'm just gonna try to share that. Okay. I posted my YouTube link on my story, so I don't know if that'll work. That's weird. You would think it would give you like a. You know. Okay, somebody's in. Kirill Bankin, if you could do me a favor and talk in the chat and say how you got on here, if you found it through my YouTube or how you got on here, that would be much appreciated. Oh, I think I might be live streaming through my YouTube. Yeah, your YouTube's connected too. Link of Insta worked. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. live through my YouTube. Word, yeah, so I just put up my, uh, I just put up my YouTube link on, on my story, so hopefully anyone who wants to come in from there. Oh, this is coming from YouTube. Okay, okay. Yeah, and my Facebook's on there too, so I guess anybody who's on Facebook is in there too. Cool. All right, let's get into it. So I wanted to to do this live with you. I reached out to you because I've been seeing a lot of your content, and it really is resonating with what I've been experimenting with in my personal life that I haven't really been talking too much about on Instagram yet, and I feel like my audience kind of needs to hear a lot of things that you have to say and things that you know and kind of things that I've learned that align with that. So um, just want to get into it. I feel like um, throughout this journey, the longer that you spend on this path and whatever you want to call this path, the path to trying to optimize your health or trying to do the best for yourself or do the best for the world, it's you learn a lot and your your perspective changes over time regardless. And if you're not always changing and evolving, then you're stagnating and rotten. So this is me um, being open about something that I have allowed myself to be open-minded about and experiment with. And I'm I'm finding, finding good things in this experience, mm-hmm. and I'm grateful for it. And I'm grateful for people like you, Quetzal, um, for you know sharing your information as I feel people are for me on my side of things. So is there anything you want to you introduce yourself so people know who you are? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, thanks for having me on, first of all. Um, appreciate reaching out um, and being able to build and talk about these conversations. Uh, so I go by Quetzal. You know, uh, Wild Quetzal on Instagram, uh, I share content that relates to reconnecting back to the source of who we are, who I believe we are, you know, who we've always traditionally been. So my journey uh, has been mostly focused through food a lot. You know, it began, certainly began centered around food. Uh, I was awakened to the ideas of raw veganism, my brother. Uh, so I started on that path of just went from like a conventional diet and to like just a raw vegan diet, like from one day to the other. And quickly from there, I got into doing different types of fasts. I was doing watermelon fast, a great fast. I got into the work of people like Arnold Eret, you know, uh, you know, people who talk about fasting and stuff like that. And, and then I start, started doing water fasting. You know, uh, I quickly built up to like doing 40 days on just water. 
did that a couple of times. Uh, then matched that up with some dry fasting. I basically tried every and experimented with, with most of the healing modalities that are kind of touted around in the health community, enemas, you know, coffee enemas, all this stuff. And <clears throat> where, where, where I'm currently at, like what that evolved to is just this realization that um, I was trying to reconnect myself back to myself and the nature of myself and the process of that also is reconnecting to nature, which is like the source where everything comes from. So once I started to focus more on that, kind of the things around me changed. So I started to realize, well, we all getting food from the grocery store, like the vegans are getting it from the produce aisle, but the the carnivores are getting it from, you know, the other aisle. So it's like everybody's just shopping from different parts of the grocery store, but we're all essentially still all in the grocery store shopping for our food so so it got me to thinking about how do humans sustain themselves on the landscape in the ecology and what does that relationship look like you know and so a lot of the things that i was doing relied heavily on civilization on a lot of modern amenities and so it was not possible to kind of translate that or extrapolate that lifestyle into nature like it just didn't make sense. The technology wasn't there. The resources weren't there. The seasonality or the availability of certain foods wasn't there. So like I started to have these experiences where like I started to realize this lifestyle was artificial in a way. It, it, artificial means like like it's an artifact. Like when you find an artifact, it means that humans had a part in that. To They, they played a part in creating it. That's what artifact is. So artificial is a derivative of that. So the diets that I was practicing were artificial. There was humans at play interjecting their own consciousness, their own belief systems to create these different diets. So virtually every single diet that has become a fad is artifact. It's an artificial diet that was created by somebody's ideology, somebody's beliefs, whether they're spiritual or religious or just uh, based on the their perspective. So the only thing that I found that really unified human beings across the world was omnivory. Like this idea that all humans, traditional cultures that lived off the land, the ecology, all of them practice omnivory, meaning that they were able to tap into every kingdom of life for food. So whether it was the plant kingdom, the fungal kingdom, the animal kingdom, the bacterial kingdom, or, or what I call the five food kingdoms, because I also include the four elements because what you need water, air, sunshine, and earth, which is like minerals, like clay and salt and stuff like that. So all these components is things that have universally been tapped into by humans uh, around the world, you know? So when I started to look at it from that perspective, it just made a lot more sense. So uh, my approach is more of a integration with the land and, and human health is a byproduct of that, as opposed to trying to go to human health and then figure everything out from there. No, I think uh, I think a lot of people have it backwards. Like your lifestyle is supposed to produce the optimal thing that you're that you're wanting to experience. And and when I realized that, I just kind of let a lot of belief systems go and focus more on that. I like um, that perspective. Yeah. yeah, the idea that like your lifestyle is supposed to produce health as a result. Like we're trying to just go for health without the natural lifestyle. And it's no different than taking an Advil for a headache instead of, you know, doing something else to fix the cause. It's just a deeper, right. a deeper sense of the same thing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's called like, I call it source thinking, like thinking about the source of everything, like not 
trying mm. to go like you know we focus on symptoms and the manifestation of certain things but we rarely go to the source of things and figure out why things are manifesting the way they're manifesting you know and along with that there, there's so many things like um because people can have objections to nature and things that happen in the natural world because we have this idea that nature is somehow like you're not there's not supposed to be death in nature there's not supposed to be pain in nature so to me that's out of balance like you're already out of balance because like reality in nature includes all of that it's it's a it's the duality of life you know so for us to want to eliminate that and that's what a big issue that i kind of had with um with just this whole vegan plant-based approach was that I was, or, or a lot of people in that community, because I, I didn't come from the morals aspect. I came from more of the health aspect. But a Same lot of me. people, a lot of people in that community are because of morals and ethics, right? But I just thought that it was, uh, it was a reflection of our own inability to deal with life's realities and life's harsh realities at times. These ideas that death is a part of life, and that death, in fact, like feeds life in order for life to exist. Like these two things are, you can't take one away from the other. So when we demonize death, we're like also demonizing life, not realizing that they're one and the same and, and they're both necessary. So even with the with suffering, right? People talk about suffering and pain for the animals. That's a part of life. So so when we're projecting like, I don't want nothing to suffer, it's because we don't know how to deal with our own suffering. So we're trying to for end sure. that for ourselves and the whole world, right? Because we don't want to confront this demon that that is that we're confronted with. So that's how I look at it uh, whenever people do that, because I'm okay with suffering. I know it's a part of reality, but what I try to do is focus on how can I be the most resilient I can so that when that part presents itself, I know how to deal with it. Like when challenges present sure. themselves, I'm capable because I know it's a reality, but what a lot of people focus on is, well, let's eliminate that. Let's have world peace. Let's never have anything that ever inconveniences or bothers anybody ever again. But now you're changing the unrealistic the expectation. You're you're, change, you're you're changing the fundamental uh, foundation of reality. For sure, or trying to at least. Trying yeah, trying, trying. to. <laughs> so, yeah, appreciate you sharing everything about your journey. I guess uh, for those of you guys who are coming in from Ketzel's audience, I'll give you guys a little bit of information about myself. I also started on the raw wheat, raw vegan wave. Honestly, like I started with fruitarianism. So I broke my neck snowboarding in Colorado um, like a half a decade ago. And mm. uh, I wanted to heal fast and wanted to get back to doing crazy shit. And at that point, I was sad diet, drinking alcohol, smoking weed, everything. And I just wanted to heal fast and was just – I had a lot of heartburn and was just tired of like not feeling good and finally had some time to like – think about what I was doing with my life, sitting down in my neck race, like thinking about like, you know, analyzing my life for the first time in a while and thinking about how things were really out of alignment and how I really wanted to get healthy and wanted to start taking care of myself and just caring about myself more. So I did. And the first thing that I really came across that resonated with me was fruitarianism. So I decided to do a fruit fast and I was a super picky eater. So I was like very specific about everything I ate, barely ever ate growing up, was not a big fan of food, always felt like all the food wasn't good for me that I was presented with which it wasn't. And mm -hmm. then once I started doing fruit, my heartburn went away. They told me it was going to be two years in a neck race. And I was out in six months and done with PT in six months. And mm -hmm. I was like, all right, this is some serious stuff. And it was like the first time I ever wasn't consuming like garbage for the first time in my life. But I right. was still consuming, you know, like Driscoll's blueberries and cantaloupes from Whole Foods. So it was like, it was better. It was a step in the right direction. And it really, you know, I felt like it was it.
And then the more I learned, I started really getting into breath work. And I, I had a couple mentors that really taught me about breatharianism and the breatharian perspective, um, which still does align with me that you are everything and you need nothing. And there is no necessity and everything in the external is a reflection of you and that whole kind of concept. And that combined with seeing the way that everything is mass produced today. So that being, mm-hmm. you know, me thinking as a, you know, from my vegan education on Instagram that everything was factory farmed when it came to animal products. And the only way to get anything from an animal was to support factory farming and abuse and, you know, that type of thing. And then with the animal stuff, I was learning about, or with the plant stuff, I was learning about starch and how the grains are starchy and the conversion to alcohol. And then, you know, the oxalates and the protection chemicals of plants, of the part of the plants that aren't fruits, and then how the Mm -hmm. plants are mostly genetically modified and selectively bred and all mass produced anyway, and the land is raped and the soil is depleted and all this stuff. And I was like, you know, is there actually any real food left? Like, not really. So it was kind of like if you're not living on a tropical island and growing coconuts and papayas in your backyard, there's really no food that's real food left for you on this earth. And (laughs) I really dove into fasting a lot because I really felt like there was no other option. Like the best thing to do was to not eat and just to fast. And it's not like I will ever have anything bad to say about fasting when you know what you're doing. I've experienced some really profound presence and really profound, you know, sensory enhancement with fasting, deep connection to my surroundings when I was living in the Dominican Republic and really went deep into extended fasting, fasting on my own urine, fasting, you know, after that, you know, going dry, doing no sleep for seven days, 15 days dry after 90 days on juice and three weeks on urine. And hmm. I just, I really did find some serious healing in that. And then after going back to fruit and after going back to food after that, never looked at food really the same ever again, found myself kind of um, not feeling good no matter what I ate and really only feeling good when I was fasting. And then now I have decided to, well, there was a period where I did do more like raw vegan and less fruitarian. And I did a little bit with nuts and some stuff like that um, and felt horrible. And like, got like swelling on my skin for the first time ever and just like wasn't feeling high energy was feeling like brain fog and like unmotivated for like the first time like really since I started my journey and I was like okay these raw vegan foods that aren't fruit really it aren't it whenever I'm in Jersey you know back where my family lives where I am right now um there's not really good fruit available to me so it's not like you know how does this fruitarian lifestyle fit here and how are humans living in other places and you know being able to thrive other places. It just doesn't make sense that tropical fruit would be the only thing that humans are designed to eat. So I did dive a little into the the goat milk and raw milk first, learned about the difference between, you know, like unpasteurized and pasteurized um, when it comes to dairy and the the cheeses made with raw milk instead of that. And then I learned about the difference between the A1 and the A2 beta casein proteins with the new breeds of genetically modified cows versus the older breeds or with goats or sheep and (laughs) types of things. it made a lot more sense to me. It's like, okay, there is more specifics. It's not just, let's not be ignorant of all of the, that all dairy is scary. You know? Yeah. There is, like, the way, when it's done right, it's not really, it's not what it's made out to be by the vegan, like, kind of propaganda, like, fear-mongering, like they do with everything else. And I always thought it was interesting that, like, I studied a lot about, like, you know, yogis and ancient yogis. Like, they weren't vegans. A lot of them, mm-hmm. even those who, who were very into ahimsa, like the non-violence or the, the do no harm <clears throat> thing. They were vegetarians. Like they still even consume dairy. They consume right. raw milk and, and ghee and things like that. So I always thought it was interesting. And this was my kind of um, 
doorway into, you know, being open-minded about the animal things, maybe having some truth to them and thinking about my perspective and learning through urine therapy about how everything comes out of you with more nourishment than it goes in because you're feeding everything that you consume breath. You're breathing life into everything that you put in your body. You know, you drink like distilled water, for example, and then you pee out pee with 102 minerals and enzymes and HDH and DMT and all these other things. So it's like, is the water nourishing you or are you nourishing the water? Same thing with your poop, but I never ate my poop. Um, <laughs> give that back to the land. You got a, you got a limit, huh? Plants, plant, <laughs> yeah. Plants will grow into, you know, it's, it's really all about symbiosis and everything is living harmoniously together. So it's kind of, I have detached a little bit from the perspective that like you don't need anything else, but it's not yeah. really out of need. It's out of desire. Like we have this human experience where we have the ability to exchange energy, exchange breath with right. any other organism. And we can exchange breath with plants, whether that is, you know, by eating the plant or by breathing next to the plants, you know, something as far as like the plant is breathing the fruits into existence, breathing itself into existence, as are you, you know, your mother breathed you into existence. And it's all basically like the concept of that it's for our own desire to do those things, not necessarily out of like necessity where it's like, we don't need these things. I've gone like months without food and been fine. So it's not like an everyday thing where like it's out of lack. Like I wake up today, what am I going to eat or I'm going to starve? It's more so like, where do I want to invest my energy today? Where do I want right. to exchange? What energy am I looking to align with today? What am I choosing for myself today? Where do I want to interact today? It's and awareness. It's just it's awareness, awareness, you know, uh, because that's the main thing that most people point to is like, uh, like you said, like the yogic traditions, like India and the history of like uh, spiritual practices from that region. Uh, but I wanted to touch on milk and, and being vegetarian and, and this idea that is so different from eating flesh when milk is produced from the blood of the mammal and it comes from the yep. animal. So it's essentially can be looked at a form of like liquid meat. Like it has a, it's a dense nutrient that is derived from the blood of the mammal that comes out of its body. Like it's, it's not, Great it's point. not, you know what I'm saying? Like it's not far fetched to like, to, to look at it from that perspective. So yeah. When, and it's very you, similar when, to urine too. Like the urine is a blood derivative fluid as well. So it's all like, that's right. what really got me to think about breast milk in a way that was kind of good. It's like, okay, it's a blood derivative fluid. So it's not really that bad. It's sacred fluid. It's filtered blood. And when I was fasting, I started to look at, well, maybe during the refeeding process, I'm like being born anew. Should I incorporate milk or does milk make sense mm. to like that refeeding process? Because when you come into the world, you're drinking milk to kind of build your body up. So and then I started to look at it from more of that perspective. And also like I, I started to realize you have building phases and like you strip down and you build, you know, but I never thought about it with animal products at that time because I was just, you know, focused on the raw plant based uh, diet. But now that makes more sense to me how all these things that humans have traditionally practiced all have a role and they all play a specific purpose and you have to know when to utilize what, you know, for what circumstance. So I, I got out of the mode of like demonizing certain things because I realized we all yep. were always looking for a scapegoat. Like, like, what can I point at to be the thing that the reason why I'm not my best self or, or just something easy to be like, well, for, for vegans, it's like animal foods. Uh, you're sick, the world is fucked up, everything is going wrong because people eat animals. And so that's a scapegoat for, for vegans, you know? And uh, I just, I realized that, that that's really not the source of the issue. Uh, for me, the realization came that the source is that we're just not connected to the real source, which is nature. Like 
So all our, all our actions are deviations from being disconnected from the land, from the ecology. So we don't know how things are impacted. The reason why the world is being consumed, the resources are being stripped, is because we're not in nature. We're in cities. And so when we leave the nature, now nature can be uh, exploited because we're not there anymore. So I'm like, well, we got to be in nature because when we occupy these spaces, we tend to them and, and we steward them. That's what traditional people have always done. Mm. That's what indigenous people have always done. They always had the symbiotic relationship with the ecology. But so you would say we, that's kind of like our role in society is to, you know, to nurture where we're around instead of deplete it. Right, right. Have, yeah. Have to be a depleted because, species. <laughs> yeah, because when we deplete, um, if you deplete and exploit what gives you life, well, guess what? You're not going to be around. Depleting yourself. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, uh, but because we're not present there. So uh, I'm heard, I'm sure you heard of the analogy that the earth is a cell and that these cities are cancers. Sure. Um, so uh, in, when you have cancer, you know, there's this process called, um, it's just when it starts diverting nutrients from like healthy parts of the body uh, to the tumors. So that's what cities are. Cities are like the tumors. So all the resources from nature. Huh. from Dragging you know, everything over to that yeah. spot. They get shipped to, to, to the civilization, you know, and then people in civilization like on their computers or on, on social media thinking of these philosophies around diet. And they're so distracted with conspiracy theories and all this shit. They don't even realize like the real world nature is getting eaten up. And that's what we're supposed to be. In the, and that's what we're supposed to be connected to. But as long as we're distracted with everything, even a lot of these things that we're talking about that I've gotten caught up in, I realize they're, they, they sometimes serve as distractions. For sure. Not, I actually just not, posted about this on action. Instagram yesterday about how, you know, the the conspiracy theories are distractions too. Yeah, sure. A lot of them are true and there's a lot of fucked up shit going on, but right. it's, there's a lot more things for you to focus on a lot, a lot more, um, a lot of rabbit holes that serve you better. <laughs> in my, and that in you my can opinion. actually like test out and, and take action on. Yeah. Like, that's the difference. Sure. Like if it's something that, that I can never prove right, uh, and that is just out of the grasp of, uh, of my ability to be able to really uh, utilize it in any functional way and integrate it to my life. Like, I'm just wasting my time. Like, I'm really just like, it's fun. It might be fun. And like, people get a kick out of that. But but I'm really aware of like, not arguing with people about th that kind of thing, because I realize it's a rabbit hole that is infinite. And while we're down that rabbit hole, like here in the present world, where we always have to come back to even if you hit DMT, you come back to the earth realm. This is where we're at right now. So, so what I wanted to say about these yoga traditions and a lot of these beliefs, uh, like religion in, in many ways, is like focusing people on the next lifetime. And my whole thing is like being present in this lifetime. Where are we at? We're on earth. What species are we? We're a human. Uh, what is our diet? Where do we live? How do we exist? What does community play a role? Like figuring that out and, and just embodying and being here and present for this lifetime. Because... Um, Otherwise, we're just kind of preparing for the next lifetime. And to me, that's like not being present for what for our role here, which is why we're manifested here. You know, um, so trying to figure all that out, how I can be the best human possible. Yeah. And I mean, that's what life is about. You know, they say progression is perfection. So it's all about, you know, just seeing ways that you can continue to learn and continue to evolve. And otherwise, like, what's the purpose? You know, it adds it, it gives you something to do in life that doesn't bring you down. The only thing right. you can do is grow and learn and evolve. And some of the people that I've really noticed in my life that like have left a profound effect on me were like after I talked to them, I'm like, I really like this guy. Those types of people, the only really people that leave that effect on me are people that just know a lot about a lot. Where like you could mm -hmm. talk about anything and somebody has something to do. They have some kind of experience with that. You know, it's 
those people who pay attention and are aware and present in everything that they do learn something from everything that they do. And then you notice, right. you know, years later, a lot of these people have a lot of knowledge, and they're a lot, a lot of fun to hang out with because you can learn a lot just from hanging out with them for a little bit. So, for sure, I mean, that's what I strive to be: somebody who continues to be present and learns from everything I do, and can continue to bring, you know, whatever those conclusions are that I draw from my experience to other people to inspire them to do their own trial and error. As far as right. I. Exactly. I've been telling people what to do or not do, and people really misinterpret me in that sense. People think that I'm telling people to not eat. People telling, you know, thinking I'm saying fast. You need to do this. You need to do that. You should do this. You should do that. And that's not really what I'm saying here. I present ideas and perspectives for you to test out on your own, for people to, to you know, get ideas. Because for me, it was like I didn't know what to test out back in the day. I was like, but you what know, but you know what? People like to be told what to do in a way. You know, that's that's what I also realized. Um, like. You know, you start teaching about anything and people want a regimen. Oh, where's the cookbook? Yeah. Oh, oh, uh, how do you do that? And, and and to me, like people maybe like me and you are like, well, I'll figure it out or, or I'll do my own version of that. But a lot of people just want to be told what to do. They want like, oh, well, yeah. how much if, if I'm fasting, like how, how long do I fast and what do I drink when I fast and can I drink this? And like for me, like I tried to figure that stuff out my own out myself. Or I, sure. I experimented with different things because I was just Same. trying to figure out for myself. You know, I wasn't like trying to be on a, somebody's regimen. But so I, I get that part aspect of it. But I also understand the people who are like, I just want to be told what to do. Like, I don't want to think about it. <laughs> you know, and I understand that that's yeah. a fundamental part of, of humanity as well. Like that, that's a part of the equation. For sure. Yeah. And holding a platform where like you got to know you can't please everybody. And, you know, some of the things are like, all right, this is what I've learned. This is what I think. And then other people, you know, are like, don't tell me what to do. And other people are like, just tell me what to do. And right. Right. Exactly. Like trying, you got trying the both, both sides of that spectrum. For sure. I, I just I was sharing sure. um, on you on my Instagram because the link that I shared, it wasn't working. So I just shared the link again. OK. Yeah, I put uh, I put the link to my YouTube in my story and i guess everyone who's coming in from me got it from that or my facebook um there were some people popping up there were some people popping up like where me and you are like as if they were coming in to join the podcast okay let's talk about this um somebody's uh, saying that meat puts worms in your colon and you can't put milk down because you got mommy issues and this idea that uh eating animal foods lowers your consciousness first of all like I just want to say, like, um, when I've had interactions with people who, who thought they were on a high vibrational diet, they weren't vibrating high. Like, they usually were very, like, confrontational. Like, I, I just did a live the other day. And if you go look at the people who were, like, really vehemently against what I was saying, their vibe was low. Like, if you can pick up a vibe, like, the vibe was low. And then the people who, who were trying to understand, they, their vibe was high. Like, there they, they was a different vibration. You know what I'm saying? So This was something I, I wanted to talk about, too. For sure. Yeah, yeah. So I just want to bring it up because I saw it. Um, but it's it's very important that we don't outsource this thing that we're supposed to generate internally, this vibration to the food, because it's so easy to just scapegoat and be like, oh well, I ate a piece of meat, so my vibration is low, or I ate a fruit, so my vibration is high. Like, like, don't get it twisted. Like, we are the source of our vibration, and when we change our vibration, sure, we might choose different foods. But it's not the food that's changing our vibration. It's us, consciousness that is aligning with that. Exactly. exactly. I liked your video about that. I, I watched that one and I like that perspective. Um, right. So two things that I want to say. One is um, I really like that idea of like 
you're choosing your food, not for your food to make you better, but you're better. And then you're aligning with better food in a sense. Right. So it's not like this concept of like, you are what you eat can kind of be transformed into a, you eat what you are, where it's like mm. you, you're choosing foods that align with where you're at not necessarily like choosing foods that align with where you want to be at. Right. You're already there. <laughs> exactly. It but already found you. You attracted what you were. Exactly. Exactly. And, and so when we go talking about uh, what's natural and what's not, um, if I allow myself to some wild game, I'm, I'm allowing myself to the frequency of wild, of nature. You know, so, and if you go and buy, even if you go buy fruits and vegetables from the grocery store, you're aligning yourself to the frequency of that. Like you shop exactly. at the grocery store. It's not nature anymore. It's a deviation from that, you know? And so, so it's not so clear cut as like plants are bad or plants are good and animals are bad because it's all frequency. And so even if you go to the grocery store, it doesn't matter what aisle you shop from, you're tapping into the frequency of civilization. And we all do it. Exactly. I'm, not, I'm not saying like that, that, that I'm a purist or I've gone to any, but I recognize that. So once you start, tapping it's just into awareness. The, you said. Yeah. Once you start, start tapping into the frequency of nature, you can eat animal foods from nature because now you're on that frequency and it's, it's not about low or high. It's just about different. It's That's about the other thing I wanted to talk about. The low versus high thing. This is something that right. most people like think they understand and really don't. When it comes to frequency, right? Frequency mm -hmm. describes how frequently something is happening. So I like to think of everything in the world like, like music, right? A vibration in rhythm. So your vibration, your frequency is your rhythm, the way that you are projecting music out to the universe or into mm. your internal universe, whatever you want to, however you want to describe it. But like, so raising your frequency, right? Like what people would call a high frequency is right. really just a faster frequency. So like the, the beat, more beats per minute in a song, you know, like let's talk about like, I guess like mm. breath, an example, right? Yeah, so like yeah. a high frequency would be this. And then a low frequency would be. Mm. So like from that perspective, is a high frequency always what we want? As right. a female, when it comes to having sex, does she always want you to rip her as fast Just as you pump, can go? Pump, or does pump, she pump. like it slow? <laughs> Sometimes a low frequency or a low vibration, a slower melody, a slower rhythm is more in alignment with where you mm. want to be or what, I love what that, you want to do. I love that. So and, and it's funny because like I, that, faster, that's exactly faster, faster. That's like the masculine like society right. life. Like everything needs to be go, 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 go. And that's the that's essence of what I was trying to get to that. If we can take away this bad and good and just look at things for the way they are, that we can exactly. have a way better experience because now we're not demonizing high frequency or low frequency. We're saying in a situation that requires a high frequency, let's use a high frequency. And it's, there might be situations that look, require low frequency. Now we're truly aware. Now we're not just woke. We're really aware of exactly. what's happening. And the more you go through life, you realize there's always a balance between the two. There's always a perfect balance between high frequency times and low frequency times. When you're out hunting or climbing trees or surfing or running or doing whatever it is you're doing, playing, and then you go and you rest and you sleep. There's the sympathetic nervous system, the fight or flight, the, you know, doing things. And then there's the parasympathetic, the rest and digest, the slow breathing, the recharging. Everything has the masculine, the feminine, the giving energy, the receiving energy. And it's always in perfect balance. And there are a lot of ways in which I feel like people do understand or understand that concept, but there are also scenarios of life where people don't understand that concept. And the thing is, is that it applies to absolutely everything. There is balance between the yin and yang of everything. 
and yeah. it doesn't only apply to the things that you want it to apply to. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, the interesting thing is that, you know, the reason slaughterhouses exist and, and this whole KFO and suffering exists is because the opposite of that exists. So by just being vegan and like having this, this attitude towards that, you're literally feeling and, and making more space for that opposite. But when we for come sure. to like a more, a more balanced middle space where we're like, well, all animal foods are bad. There's a certain way that you could do this. That's when you kind of have a, a, a impact closer to what you're actually trying to generate. But you'll never see it that way when you're in it because it's easy to polarize and just do the opposite of it in an attempt to, to, to make it go away. But you actually strengthen it. So when you can actually go in on it, go towards it, that's when it gets better. But that, but that's the opposite of what people do. And that's the opposite of the instinct that we typically tend to have. Yeah, it's what people do with their emotions too, you know? You run away from your emotions with a bottle of tequila or with a pizza, and then you don't actually end up getting past those emotions, and they linger, and they come back every time you stop doing whatever you're addicted to. And it's mm. the same kind of same kind exactly. of scenario. It's like whatever you avoid, you allow it to fester and manifest inside you in or you know in the world in a way that you know you can't even realize because you're running away from it the whole time it's that it that's what civilization is to me that's what civilization yeah. is is humanity running away from itself like like this is what we we were in nature we were in ecology we were in an environment that had everything that we needed and we had this reciprocal symbiotic relationship with it but because we wanted security we wanted we wanted something we didn't like the the cycles of life we wanted to kind of elude or escape the, the cycles that we experience because even though we might have experienced good good years or good times there was also times that weren't so good or that were challenging and that you know we challenged us to deal with them so we created civilization in an attempt to to get away from that to create a life that can kind of be monotonous and so that we can always be insured like the things that that we need right like food but in that process we we kind of uh we fucked everything up. Basically, the food supply became uh, dwindled. Uh, human relationships became uh, sabotaged. So all of these things that were in our reality, because they always have existed with us, we just kind of distorted them and and basically uh, just made it into something uh, some something that uh, does, didn't serve doesn't serve us as well. You know, all in an attempt to like escape and run away from the, the nature of reality. You know, so sure. so we we just keep doing that, right? What's the next step? The next step is to find another planet because Earth, we got to get away from the whole Earth and go to Mars and, and find another planet to to inhabit. It's like we just keep trying to run away when when, the, when we're supposed to be straight up. Our, ourselves, you know, like if you can sit with yourself, that, that and that's what fasting is, right? Like you kind of sitting with yourself, uh, being at peace with not food, no, no distractions. If you go to nature, even better. So this is a good practice for me because it helped me become aware of certain aspects of myself and I've come a very long way I just I was unaware bro I didn't know where food come, came from I didn't know where bread came from I didn't know about my emotions I didn't know about my mental health none, none of that was like at the forefront of my mind affected by all the things that manifest in, in, in civilization and our reality and, and so I was executing those things but fasting really uh, brought stillness you know and enough time to kind of be present with myself but but there's many other ways to do that as well and I, for me one of the biggest things that i realized along my journey is community having people around you that yeah. hold you to a certain standard and who are going to call you out on the things that you need to grow on and be the supportive but also you know stern with uh the standard that they have 
like that's 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 probably the most helpful thing that I've found in my reality, you know, because like, you know, I know you said like we there's this belief that we don't need anyone else. But at the same time, everybody else is us. We so, get to so, have everybody else, you know, we don't need it, but we get to have it if we want it. Right. The beauty. And, and so but but if everybody else is us and there are reflections of our internal universe, then we can use these pieces of ourselves to to better our to, to tap into exactly. other pieces of ourselves. You know? Exactly. That's what I, that's what I had to learn about this perspective. It was kind of like me only understanding or understanding this perspective from like one way, like a linear way where it's like, mm -hmm. oh, I need nothing outside of myself and realizing eventually, you know, that there is nothing outside of myself and that everything is myself and right. that, okay, maybe I can use some help from myself. From right. Myself. Other parts of myself. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, I think of, you know, like milk, it's like the animals are helping you out. Like I had an issue with my foot. I had like some serious athlete's foot that no level of fasting or urine therapy or I tried everything in the book, everything outside of the book to, to mm. do it in the plant world or in the fasting world. And nothing got rid of it. I mean, with the extended fasting, it would go away. And then as soon as I would go back to eating, it would come right back. Mm. And, you know, as soon as I started drinking goat milk, the guy who owned the farm that I held the retreat at in Hawaii he offered it to me and said that it, it might be helpful because of the bacteria and things like that. And you know, the microbiome restoration type thing. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. Why not? I'll try it just about anything once. And one day I drank two quarts of goat milk. So like a half a half a gallon of milk. And like, he gave me like a week's worth of milk. And in one day, like my foot was like incredibly like healed, like not like mm. completely a hundred percent, but like significant where I was like, Oh my fucking God. I was right. like, this is like, this is some serious, this is some serious truth in this. So this is something right. I have to pursue more and I need to learn more about this and I need to dive deeper and I need to see what's up with this because this was something that I completely brushed under the carpet and thought was terrible no matter what. It's called, now my entire perspective is shattered. It, it's called zoo therapy. Um, when you get medicine from animals. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, I, I have to balance it out. You know, everybody's talking about plant medicine. So I'm like, hold Animal up, medicine. Is, I saw that video. I like this, that. This isn't complete, you know, because we always... Like my whole thing is balance, you know. So Absolutely. a lot of things, a lot of things that I uh, talk about are in response to like one pole, like uh, the polarization of of people eating plant foods. So so I, I try to bring that to balance with talking to them about animal foods. You know, obviously it's going to trigger people. I understand the process of learning information and healing, and uh, you know, I know a lot of people aren't going to be receptive to it, but but it's still my role to bring balance to that and bridge those two worlds because traditionally they've never been segregated in that way. Like, like traditional people, indigenous people living close to the land, they never uh, were like, Oh, we're only eating from the plant kingdom because the animal kingdom is bad. Like, no, they all, there was never a need to divide. It's like that divide and conquer like society shit, whether that's it's modern politics, stuff. whatever it is. Look, look at how we uh, structure, um, describing things okay so we say uh, it's a lion but it's not just a lion it's a mammal it's in the and it's not just a mammal it's in the animal kingdom so it's like we have a, but but they would have just had one name for it you know uh mm. it's not this like uh categorical classifications and right yeah and so if you have one name for it you can relate to it a lot better and, and it's not as confusing and complex it's what it is things. right yeah. and, and and really it's a relative you know like i talk about this like in the phylogenetic tree of life, like we're all related, we're all relatives, you know, with DNA, we're all made of the same nucleotides, the ACTs and Gs that make up, you know, bi biological life. We all have that within us, we share that. So it's like, when you look at it from that perspective, 
and they they did they do see things as relatives you know and on every continent where you see traditional people living close to the land they were all omnivorous you know they they valued meat highly whenever it was available but they also ate plant foods whenever those were available in season you know so um a lot of the the diets the modern diets they they don't even account for the ecology then nobody's they're not talking about the seasons they're not talking about where you live it's just like this whole blanket of humans are supposed to eat plants no matter and it's not even local feeling. Right, I was exactly. I was in New Jersey ordering ordering fruits from Miami, and getting right. stuff like shipped to me, and it's like never felt connected with New Jersey. Always never really wanted to be here. Didn't really know how to be here. Didn't ever feel connected to this place, even though I grew up here and I was born here. And it's it's interesting. Like now, I do feel more connected to this space since I've been consuming this raw dairy from this place, the the local stuff. Right. So I mean, it's a combination of like local foods and seasonal foods. I feel like you know, Absolutely. not everything. I liked your video about how you said. You know, people who advocate for eating like one specific thing or a couple specific things like all year round, it's unrealistic because there's nothing that grows all year round. There's no tree right. that fruits in every season. And there's some years where that tree might not produce so well and, you know, and, and, or might not produce very much at all. And so it's like, but I, I, I re realized that a lot of the philosophies that exist in the Internet aren't based in real world experience. They're based off of uh -huh. people who are on their computers, who are looking at YouTube videos like us right now. And aren't really having real world experiences. So when I started going out into nature, into more natural spaces, you know, uh, cultivating food, uh, and starting, you know, getting into hunting and stuff like that, uh, I, I started to realize, like, oh, like a lot of the stuff that I that I thought was true, like the myths just kept getting busted. Like, like wait, wait, that doesn't make sense, you know. So then I, I realized that that the lifestyles and the diets that are being created are based around civilization, which is an artificial reality. Like to me, there's sure. two worlds. There's a natural world, which is the source. There's civilization, which is uh, created on, built on top of the natural world with the natural world. And then there's the internet world, which is like a derivative of civilization. And they're getting ready to build, a, or they're building the fourth world, which is the metaverse, which is an even further disconnection from the, the natural into the world. illusion. Right. Yeah. Uh, so so uh, when we're talking about diet, all these diets, a lot of them are modeled off of the civilized world uh, and they're promoted through the internet. But when you go to nature, like you have a whole and they make experience. people a lot of money, they make a For lot sure. of money too. It's sell, you can sell a lot of ebooks, a lot of uh, it's big cookbooks and stuff, product supplements, even um, the foods yeah. like recommending vegan foods and then saying that you know one thing is good for you and then it's in the store and they're selling selling off like hotcakes. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it comes down to business at the end of the day, and you have to realize that a lot of the times. What is promoted is not because it's the best thing for you, but because it's it has a high uh, potential for profit. Like, think about it. Like, if yeah. I say uh, vitamin C, what fruit do you think of? Oranges. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but orange isn't the most high vitamin C fruit that exists in the world, right? No, it is but not. There, but but there was a high market for oranges, and there was a, a you know they were growing a lot of oranges, and they wanted to market this product, so they took something a compound that they found that it had relatively high uh, amounts of. And they started marketing, but it's not like the most high vitamin. There's, there's other fruits that have way more vitamin C than fruit does. Uh, I mean, than oranges do. Than oranges, but, yeah. But, but this, this kind of same concept was kind of taken throughout all different um, types of food and marketed to people. So now when we think of certain things, it's only because of marketing. It's not because it's the highest, most nutritional food. It's because it had a potential to make money. So even with uh, Dr. Sebi and his whole alkaline diet, and I'm, I'm getting ready to make some videos on this. I know that people are going to go crazy because they, they love them some Dr. Sevy. But he, he <laughs> talked about the plant, you know, alkaline plants. You know, it's easy to sell alkaline plants. You can, you can sell wild plants and you can even cultivate 
some of those wild plants and put turn them into a product and sell it. It's a lot more challenging to do that with animals. But these animals mm. are eating the same plants. So if the yeah. plants are alkaline and the animals eat them, I don't know why the wild animals eating the wild plants that are alkaline wouldn't be alkaline. But when it comes and to yo, marketing, goat milk, like the raw milk, is super alkaline. Like yeah, yeah. I've I've actually combined like the acid fruits or like something like like oranges with mm -hmm. the raw milk, and it actually digests like way better. So where like uh, you the, know the the, the, the founder alkaline, and the the orange is like more acid, so it like helps you break down the milk. Yeah, and the guy that started that philosophy uh, that that Dr. Sebi is based out of his name was Ragnar Berg. And um, he he actually when in his list milk is on the alkaline list of of, of alkaline foods. People don't talk about that, but obviously and spell and like a lot of these grains really shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, I mean there's there's that's a whole another rabbit hole you know to go down. Um, but I, yeah, I just wanted to touch yeah, on that sure. uh, the whole alkaline because <laughs> um, to me um, what what Dr. Sebi was really teaching was wild foods. He just didn't integrate yeah. the animal um, the animal kingdom into that because uh there's a lot of restrictions in selling like you can't sell wild game like at a grocery store like it's, it's a lot of restrictions uh, you can't even sell raw like unpasteurized shit at the at the store right. either like, you can't it's illegal to sell raw milk like this farm that i go to in pa they're like they always have lawsuits and they're always dealing with legal stuff because they're like fuck you like we're just the amish people and we're just gonna keep making raw milk and selling it right they, they got their own community they got their own world and, that, and that's eventually yeah you know we could talk about that i, I came to that you got to create your own world and you got to you got yep. to be able to live how you want to live. Where are you, by um, the way, in the world? Curious. I'm, I'm in Hawaii. Oh, you're in Hawaii. Dope. What yeah. island? The big island. Nice, nice. Yeah. I lived on Maui for a couple months recently, from like October to December, which was cool. And I lived there yeah. like a year ago. Hawaii is beautiful. Yeah, yeah. You. It certainly Love is. Um, I was in Mexico <laughs> before this. Um, but yeah, so, so Dr. Sebi's diet was just... A wild diet it was but he just didn't include the animal foods because if you think about um all the plants that he was non-hybrid what he says non-hybrid really he means wild because wild is a plant yeah. that hasn't been hybridized it hasn't deviated no man from not man-made yeah it hasn't deviated from its genetic um uh origins like it, it's still genetically intact so um i, I say wild he said um non-hybrid but non-hybrid and also include like the animal kingdom into into what i talk about so and Dr. Sebi was eating fish, you know, people and stuff like that. So it's like there's some sketchiness around it, too, like with that new list that's out and like his family kind of taking over his name and using it for marketing and changing up the right. list and changing up the products and changing up the whole marketing scheme, kind of blowing him up in the media but, world. But the point the point is that that there's this uh, when when it comes to business and marketing, like we are manipulated through that. So a lot of the things that we know and understand or we think we know and understand are derivative of that. So they, they have to be called sure. into question as well. But when you go out into observe people, which is, uh, this is the work of Weston A. Price. He was a dentist that went and observed cultures throughout the world. Um, and he was basically studying their dentition. You know, uh, he was a dentist and he was studying how their jaws would form and stuff. And he what he mm. realized is that the traditional cultures eating their traditional diets, they had well-formed jaws. All the, you know, you know, the reason why people get their wisdom teeth pulled out is because there's not enough room in their jaw yeah. to hold all the teeth. So it's like, this isn't uh, something that has happened always because we wouldn't exist here if, if it was that was the case. Yeah, it's like, why do we be, have wisdom teeth if we're not supposed to have them? Right. There's sense. supposed to be enough space on our jaws, but because we don't develop fully because the nutrition that we're given isn't adequate, there's not enough room in the jaw. So now your teeth are mm -hmm. crooked because they're, they're, they're trying to, they're crowding because there's not enough room 
in that mm-hmm. job to have all those teeth set. So what he realized is that when traditional cultures switched to modern diets, that they started to the material started getting smaller. They started getting smaller, and their dentition started to get fucked up. They started getting cavities, all this stuff. Um, that was all a result of them deviating away from their diets. But when he observed the traditional diets of virtually every culture that he went to, whether it was the Eskimos or people in, you know, living in in, um, in like tropical places, they all were uh, omnivorous. They were all using animal foods to sustain and nourish themselves, and especially around times of, of conception. Uh, that's a very, uh, and that's a lot of people like that are vegan and women, uh, especially um, at this point. That's one of the points where they have this kind of like change because their body is going through a, a biological change that they can't deny. And it, un- unless it's like uh, nourished adequately, it's it's not going to work out well. So a lot of people realize that the diet that they're practicing isn't adequate during that process. But uh, traditional cultures understood oh, well, this is something that's happening. We need to adjust for this. So we need to feed them certain nutrients. And a lot of times it was animal foods that they were feeding uh, the women in order for them to um, have healthy pregnancies and to, to go through that process, you know. So uh, the, yeah, the findings were basically universal that uh, all traditional people are omnivorous. And even if you go to hunter-gatherers today, like you still see the same thing. Like they're all, they're eating meat. It's not like they're, uh, they're not, they're eating only plants, you know. So this idea that, it just doesn't make sense that that people would be like picky like that, you know. Right. Natural it, people well, living living with the land and not on the land would think, okay, this is everything that nature offers me, everything that the world has to offer us to eat. So why mm-hmm. don't we make the best out of all of it and see what aligns with us and what doesn't? And you know, we eat things. Some things make us feel good. Some things don't. You know, you eat the wrong berry and somebody drops dead, and we're like, all right, maybe we won't eat those no more. And, right. You know, but you eat other things and you already... feel good, and it's trial and error. And yeah, that process has already been millions of years of that happening already. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I like to point out that if you think that because you're plant based and you're living in civilization in the city that your high, frequency is higher than somebody who's out there hunting their own game, connected to the ecology with a deep understanding and reverence for the organisms that they coexist with, if you think that your vibration is higher because you're shopping at Whole Foods for plant based foods, like. That's interesting to me. Yeah, eating sweet potatoes and you know, eat drinking orange juice from Whole Foods that's pre-squeezed for you and all that. Right. Um, it's not. It's not even almost the same. And it's not to say that I have a lot of experience with eating meat, but at least like the concept of it, like logically, it makes way more sense. Right. Right. And I could see, you know, so there's a couple topics that I want to talk about specifically because I know we've been on here for almost an hour already. So there's there's definitely a bunch of stuff that I want to make sure we get to. So. One is the connection to animals, like you just mentioned. So when I first started posting about goat milk, right, about how I was drinking goat milk, so many people were like, it's rape, it's rape, it's rape. And the thing is, like, I came to the conclusion, like, most people who are saying that, like, have never actually interacted with an animal. And, like, you know, I would ask, like, be like, you know, have you ever even seen a goat in person? Have you ever been near one in person? Have you ever looked an animal in the eyes that's not a dog or a cat? And it was interesting to see on the farm – like this goat, she would really walk up to this dude, Jeremy, and like offer him the milk. It's not like he would come up and just like force it. It was an even mm-hmm. exchange where it was like consensual on both ends, where it wasn't right. really even like a, like a non-moral, non-ethical thing. So, I mean, the connection to animals is clearly evident in those who choose to look for it and to find it because it's there. 
But when you really do find a connection to animals and a connection to the land, separating yourself for it from it to only eat plants just doesn't make sense. Right, make right. Complete sense. And, and I, think I get if you're going to fast and you feel like your digestive system needs a break and you've been eating a lot of whatever you've been eating and you're like, all right, let me take a break. Let me go within myself, you know, because to go without is to go within. And it's kind of just like a self-realization, a cleaning out occasionally type thing. Um, I do see fasting being relevant still in my life, doing like periods of fasting, periods of eating, just switching yeah. up what I'm eating when I am eating and, you know, yeah. allowing myself to be more open-minded about everything that comes from nature, not just some things that come from nature and mostly things that come from whole foods. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I'm, Dan, you mentioned it, like I'm doing a liquid fast right now. Like I'm, I'm not eating solid food, you know, just doing juices and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, and pe people might be, because of the, what I talk about and a lot of things that I challenge, you know, they might not realize that I still practice those kinds of things or that, you know, I'm open that because I don't want to be closed off. Like I'm either got to eat all animal foods or all plant foods. Like I realize that there's a uh, purpose and, and there's function behind all of these things, you know? So I just try to sure. be aware of, of when to use what, and a lot of traditional people during certain rites of passage and periods of time, like fasting or, or, or abstaining from certain things was part of the process, you know? Uh, like even the rites of passage of like going out and, and becoming a man, like, you know, required fasting, you know, and that that's just like what you said about going with going within that that process does that. So I see the, the purpose behind that. But a lot of people get stuck there and they just want to perpetuate that. So that's why I said, like, just because you can and I was part of a, that, just because you can fast for a day and feel good doesn't mean that you should never eat food again. So just yeah. in the same way, just because you eat vegan for a while and you feel good doesn't mean that you should never eat animal foods again. There's a time and a place for everything. Uh, so when it comes to animal connection, uh, we have to make a distinction between wild and domestic. Like we domesticated sure. animals uh, and that's been part of our lineage as humans that we've gone a long time side by side with these animals and we have a relationship that's intertwined. At this point in time, if we stop eating animals, there will be no place for cows to exist because they don't have a natural mm -hmm. habitat. And, and they would get eaten by whatever's in that habit. They would get eaten by wolves. They would get destroyed by, you know, mountain lions and things of that nature. But generally, they don't have a habitat. They, and they kind of rely on humans for for existence in a way. A lot of these domesticated animals. So um, I, I realize that that we're at a point where we can't just undo it uh, and, and, and move forward with that. So even if, if the whole world decided not to eat animals again, there's going to be a lot of death animals that, that are occur. fucked. Yeah. yeah, that would occur because of that. So we're so what we can do though is continue to live in in, in harmonious relationship with them and and continue to give them life and and, and care for them and, and get things from them as well. So that's the relationship with the domestic animals that that we've kind of evolved and, and been around long enough to have this relationship with. But then when it comes to wild animals, that's a whole different thing. You know, um, you obviously can't just walk up to a wild pig or something and, and just pet it, and it's not you're relating to it on a different level. You know, now you just kind of two organisms that exist and that are crossing paths in the ecology and you might take it out and, and make it a part of your body, you know, but that's just also a sacred experience to me. Yeah. So this, this brings me to actually the video, the, the, con the concept um, that was arised by the first video I actually saw of yours, what, what led me to your page was your concept of eating animals to save them. And mm -hmm. It honestly just made so much logical sense to me that we take, you know, these animals and we protect them. We give them food. We give them shelter and protection from other predators, whatever. And, you know, anything that we are eating, we have an incentive to protect. And it does make a lot of sense. Almost like too much sense for me to not turn my head and be like, this guy's onto something. You know? Right. 
Yeah. So yeah, that 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 is something that I kind of became aware of through through realizing that um, humans have always tended to wildlife, like like we wildlife managers in a way. Like in, in North America, you have the wildlife management uh, program where they manage and they have a certain carrying capacity, which is like how much animals could exist in a certain space. And they regulate that. So they let people hunt animals based off of that information. But before that, indigenous people were doing that as well. They were regulating numbers and populations mm-hmm. of animals, making sure not to take too much so that they can perpetually keep. So everything could, could thrive. Could, could thrive, exactly. Um, Maintaining so, balance. Right, exactly. So in eating them, and having that relationship and that then that reliance on them for food and sustenance and shelter, uh, they actually had an incentive to protect them and to make sure that they existed. You know, and a lot of the animals that are going extinct and stuff like that uh, aren't animals that people use for food. You know, they're animals that are getting encroached on by by building shopping malls and grocery stores that people go and buy mm-hmm. produce at. Like that, that's that's actually what's happening. It's not. Look at look at the populations of animals that do get eaten. The cows and chickens, like they are in the billions. That's yeah. because people rely on them for food. But if we relied on wild animals and other animals in a more diverse population of, of species for food, not just animals but also plants and fungal, all this, if we had a wider, um, we would more, be cultivating it and keeping it thriving. Exactly. If if we had a more diverse diet, we would have a more diverse world. But because our diet is like, Interesting. you know, that's that's what we concentrate on earth very interesting concept for sure so really what what i've concluded through my exploration newly with animal stuff um is that most of when it comes to food for health the issues really lie with just anything that's coming from mass production whether that is animals or plants so like the corporatocracy as i like to call it like we don't live in a democracy it's a corporatocracy corporate interest pushes everything in society and it really all comes down to money and anything that's mass produced, whether it is the mass produced plants with the pesticides and the, you know, nutrient slip stripped soil or the mass produced animals and the factory farming and the rape and, you know, that type of stuff, whatever it is, like there are, tr- there's truth and there's bullshit on both sides of the spectrum, both animals and plants in both kingdoms. There is, there's bullshit foods and there's, there's legit foods on either side. You know, you can go with, raw milk and raw dairy and raw organs and wild game and things like that. Or you can go to the store and get pasteurized, like, you know, bullshit, or you can get like products and weird yogurts and other shit on the animal side of things. And then you can also go get, you know, real stuff. You can go to the Dominican Republic or to Hawaii or to, you know, Costa Rica or wherever and get coconuts right off the tree. Or you can go to Whole Foods and get harmless harvest coconut sugar water with red dye right. or, you know, you can get like whatever bullshit. You can go to Jamaica and pick an orange that's actually green on the outside and eat it yourself off the tree. Or you can go to Whole Foods and get a bright orange one and eat that. Mm-hmm. There's bullshit and there's truth on both sides from my experience. And there's ways to do both sides of the spectrum in a way that's more aligned with nature and more conscious, more with more awareness and more love. And, and the thing is that it, that illusion is what is uh, stopping people from seeing that because they're creating an illusion that if you just eat from the plant kingdom, everything will be fine. But even there's so much like detail and context that, that is not being addressed because, uh, I, and I get it, we look for the things that are easy to integrate, you know, um, learning how to hunt and fish and, and grow your own food. 
that's there's a barrier to entry on that. Like it really requires yeah. effort and stuff. And you can't you can't work a nine to five and do that. <laughs> yeah, or, or it becomes more challenging. I, I would say. Yeah. Um, but on the conversely, like if you just tell somebody, well, all you got to do is when you go to the grocery store, only buy these things from the grocery store. Because you always got to go to the grocery store anyway. So now you're doing something that is really easy for people to integrate. But then the nuance get lost, gets lost in that. Like you said, coconut water from a real coconut is way different than what's sold in a bottle. Like if you have drank enough coconuts, you would know like it's not the same product and it's not exactly. processed and it's just it's not the same thing. You know, you can feel the frequency of that thing that is different. So so when we're talking about this idea that if you only eat from one kingdom that you'll be straight, it just it's not the whole story. You know, like there's so much nuance to that because there's uh, there's different ways to do different things. And uh, one of the people I follow, they always saying it's not the cow, it's the how It's the how it's done hmm. rather than the thing itself. You know, I like that. It's not the cow, it's the how. I love the wordplay stuff. Right. So, yeah. um, the next thing that I wanted to cover is foods and spirituality. So my understanding of the word spirit is that it comes from the Latin word spira, meaning breath or life force. Mm. So no matter what you are consuming, as long as you're consuming an organism, whether that's a plant or an animal, as long as it's not factory like lab chemicals, if you're consuming something from an organism, you are consuming the spirit, the breath of whatever, you know, the life force, the essence of whatever it is that you're consuming, whether that is animals or plants. When you're consuming a fruit, which is essentially like tree urine, you know, it's, it's, it's the blood plasma of the tree, essentially, you are still consuming the consciousness of that plant. It's, it's basically sex. You know, it's a sacred energy exchange. It's a, it's a communication system of consciousness. And you are taking on the consciousness of that tree into your body. Same thing with an animal. If you were to eat the animal, you're consuming that organ or the blood or the milk or whatever it is that you're consuming. You're consuming the consciousness, the breath of that animal. And I mean, the blood is the, con the liquid consciousness. It is your breath in physical form. So it is, no matter, regardless of whether you're eating a plant or an animal, it is a spiritual practice because you are basically taking on spirit of another being, which is really just your own reflection anyway. But right. it is life force. Like when you're think about how many breaths it takes for a tree to make that fruit. For, for the mango right now that's out of season, that tree is breathing and breathing and breathing and breathing until summer when it makes all the mangoes happen. And it took months of breaths to make that mango for you. And you're consuming right. literally like eight, nine months worth of breath in that mango. So it's, you know, it's, it's mm. spirit. Yeah. So no matter what it is you're consuming, that animal is breathing, it, you know, spirit into its body, creating blood, creating milk or creating its own body, which then you eat and you're consuming the spirit or the essence of that animal. So no matter what, no matter what side of this, you know, divided spectrum you're on, it's <laughs> the same thing. It's all spiritual regardless. Right. There's hey, breath, all the spirit. All, spirit. all, all the spirit. The, yeah, the breath and, and, of life is embodied in all things because it's yes. all you. So this idea that that you can eat something that that would make you not be spiritual is just like it's it's doesn't need, it's not even relevant because all is spirit you know um even when you're talking about the fruit trees like you know they rely on the spirits of dead organisms to fertilize the soil that allows them to produce the fruit too you know so it's 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 just yep. this weird this weird demonization of death and 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 certain kingdoms of life and and 
it's like I'm trying to really break that spell that we're under so that we can uh, just allow all of it and accept all of it. Because at the end of the day, like if a gazelle gets eaten by a lion, this gazelle species doesn't go exist, extinct. The gazelle yeah. species doesn't go extinct. You know, that's not how it works. You know, so when we think about And there's no like, hard feelings. Nobody's telling the lion he's not he's not moral. Right. <laughs> no. So so in the same way, like, um we think that we have this idea that when something dies that everything of its kind dies, you know, but but that's not the case. So even if an animal was killed for food, um and what predators do on the landscape, they actually enhance the species because they take out the weaker, uh mm. probably sick animals the, the ones that are the survival of the fittest right right so so they enhance the species through that and that's what humans do too humans are predators on the landscape so um uh if you look at it from that lens like it's a beneficial thing for the species but obviously if you zoom in like and you see the pain that that animal is going through in that process it doesn't look pretty but when you zoom out you see how things play and work together and that's the exact um i'm into like the Dao de ching and and it, and essentially that was like understanding how things happen and, and and so if you know if you can zoom out and see how everything is functioning like you'd be at peace with it because you're like oh okay so there's a bigger picture but if you zoom in and you're just like so emotional and focused on oh my god that thing is dying you're gonna perceive that as evil or bad but if you can see uh, the role that it plays in the entirety of life and existence you would be like oh okay that's how it works and you have a better understanding Exactly. I like what you said about the acceptance of it all and tying that back to like how everything is like us. It's like a big part of this is that we refuse to accept parts of ourselves. So we refuse to accept the reality of things externally. And I feel like a lot of our um, fear of like, or, you know, resentment when it comes to like killing animals or whatever really relates to our own fear of death. So it's like, we can't imagine our own fear, like our own dying out of fear so like we can't imagine doing that to something else because we don't see it as a part of life that it's that's necessary or important. And this is the next concept that I wanted to get into. This is honestly flowing perfectly like on my outline yeah. um, without even like me planning it to be that way. But um, overall, like the morality of killing and is it immoral? Is it moral? What does that tie into? Is it just is what it is and nothing is good or bad? Is there a right and wrong when it comes to this? Um, so a couple things that I wanted to share from my thoughts, and I'd love to get your thoughts on it as well. One, I mean, I could see, um, you know, taking a life as obviously something that is not a joke, but something that is a very intimate experience, something that is a very powerful energetic experience and a transition. So it's almost like, you know, when you die, it's not like a, or at least from what I've experienced with like things with DMT and, you know, whatever, what I think it is more of like a transformation where we, you know, go into something. You are basically the catalyst for them. You're the gatekeeper that's saying your job of being a cow here is complete. Thank you for your service. You can now move on to something new. It's not necessarily something that's grueling and abusive and mean and, you know, whatever words people want to use to describe it as something right. malicious. It's more of like a thank you for your offering to me and you will live on through me. And this is something that, you know, is beautiful and you have repaid your karmic debt. You know, whatever right. it is. People want to talk about karma, how like, oh, if you kill animals, that's karma and you're going to be the animal getting eaten in your next life and whatever. It's kind of like if you think about it, is that necessarily a wrong thing either? Like if, if a cow's karma, whatever it did in its past life, if you want to call it that, is, you know, they lived a life of over of over receiving, overtaking, whatever species hmm. they were in or whatever. They lived a life of overtaking and now their life as a cow, which is basically continually giving, 
you know, consuming grass just to convert it into bioavailable stuff for another organism to eat it. It's a life of giving, mm. and it's honestly a beautiful way for a being to restore their own balance of giving right. and receiving. So it's not necessarily something that we should avoid because we're scared of energetic imbalance. It's more so something it's like we are doing them a service by allowing them to serve their purpose as, you know, giving mm. themselves up. Right, right. And, and I love this because this is one of the things that I touch on too is this uh, idea that a lot of the philosophies and, and ways of life that we've created and that we perceive are due to our avoidance to death and not having enough relationships or experiences that that include death to, to be able to have a healthy relationship with death to have to be able to have a relationship that integrates death into our reality so most people have probably never been around a dead body or have to deal with a dead body uh, as far as like a mammal like a human or even Oh, and so what we do in society is that we tuck death away. Like we put it in hospitals behind curtains. When people start even to funerals, old, they dress up the body and they seal it and they make it like they put it in a suit and put makeup on it to make it look like it's right. dead. Yeah, and even people it's that are getting like older, so much we, fear we put of it like somewhere else. What it looks we put like it somewhere yeah. else. Like you're getting close to like I don't even want to see that. Get close to that. So everything that we're doing is kind of like trying to hide this inevitability. So what happens is that we mm -hmm. develop a, a like a. Uh, irrational fear of something that's going to happen anyways is we're all going to go through exactly it and, and we're all going to be uh i mean we all should be integrated back into the into the soil and the ecology because of you know civilization and the practices that we have like a lot of people aren't because they're in caskets that are this is something that i wanted to bring up as well on the same topic so right if, keep going if you had something else to say before uh, yeah I so so when we and this is one of the reasons that I started getting more into animal foods and wanting to learn to hunt and stuff because I wanted to have the experiences with death close up. Like I want to experience that part of life because I think that before we really transition and die, we have to die a lot of times in this in this realm. Like we have to have those experiences mm. in our in our awakened life so that when that moment comes, we don't hold on to anything here. So a lot of times when mm. people die, like in civilization, they're holding on to life. And that's because they never learned. They didn't let go enough in their present life. They didn't empty themselves mm. here. They didn't have enough of those experiences. So they're still trying to hold on. But when when that moment comes, if, you're, if you've had enough of those experiences and you have a healthy understanding of what death is, you will just be at peace with it and you will let go, you know, so... I, me mm -hmm. that that brought me to wanting to have more of those experiences within myself with other organisms but also just to have more of that awareness within my reality that things die and that i'm gonna die one day and that that's the reality that's gonna happen um but how I, that happens is up to me like 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 you For know sure. like when that's happening my perception about it and, and how that goes down uh is up to me like it, well will yeah. i exist or will i just be at peace with it you know for sure. And it will you view it as something that's like so scary and like almost like I can't let this happen or like is it something that you just embrace? It. And it's, it's the same yeah. thing that I describe with everything as far as emotions and experiences and anything goes like it's just full acceptance of everything, you know, of everything that is because it is what it is. And, you know, we try to say the world is out of balance and people are doing things that are wrong and it's just everything is what it is. So it's mm. just it is what it is. So accepting it and embracing life for what it is and what we have to experience here with the world that we got here is 
the way it's supposed to be, and it's absolutely perfect and flawless the way it is. And absolutely. it's not always the way we want it to be or the way we think or we're taught it's supposed to be, but it is the way it's supposed to be or it wouldn't be. Right. And I think being at peace with that is like how you do begin to create and inspire a new world that you do want to see. But it, as For long sure. as you have that resistance against what currently exists, like you'll never move forward from that. You just keep feeding more of that. Agreed. So, yeah, another thing that I wanted to bring up as far as the morality of killing thing goes, um, when you're eating an animal, essentially. So back to the kind of cow thing, like serving its karmic dead or whatever you want to say about it. It's like you're almost like rewarding it for doing it because now you're eating it and you're allowing its spirit, its consciousness, its essence to go into your body. You're consuming the spirit of that body and allowing it to now become human. That cow gets to be a human now. It's living mm. through you. Right. So it's kind of like it is a respectful thing. The most respectful thing you can do is allow it to become, you know, the, the top predator on earth. Right. You're allowing yeah. it to kind of ch change scope. And I guess the same thing could be said about the antelope and the lion. You know, the lion eats the antelope. The antelope gets to become the lion. That consciousness is now embodied in the lion and it gets to the tables get to turn back and forth. Yin and yang always. Right. And there's benefit um, all throughout, you know, even the population of antelope that didn't get eaten is probably more efficient and faster without that organism that that got, you know, taken out, you know. So it's like, yeah, the, the whole ecosystem functions in a way. And, and so it's like there's this deep wisdom that exists intrinsically in nature that if we don't understand, we'll try to go against. And that's kind of like mm. where we're at now, like civilization and is sure. just try to go uh, against the fundamental nature of reality and the laws that exist therein. And so that's why we've created what we've created. Um, and I think it's the cycles. I think that we build civilizations and then we go back to the source and then we forget and then we do it again, you know, because that seems to be what has happened with, you know, different um, civilizations throughout time. But uh, I think we're at a transitional period. This is my point of view that, um, we're getting back to the source and those of us who want to reconnect and, and, have, and are learning the skills and building those relationships, you know, we're paving the way for the, the, the beginning of the cycle again. I like that perspective. So one more thing about um, this kind of like dying and whatever is consuming you, you know, you're kind of becoming that. So something that crossed my mind is like, what do I want to happen to me when I die? Like, do I want something to eat me? Do I want, like, my family to eat me so I live on through them? Or, like, you know, really what, what made the most sense for me is something to, like, we go into the soil. And then the plants and trees consume us. And then the things that we ate eventually consume us. And that allows the cycle to be full circle. So basically, like, where the lion would die after eating all the antelope for its whole life. And now, you know, the soil and the, the microbes and the fungus and whatever is breaking down that body, which then becomes into the soil for the plants to grow, for the antelope to eat the plants, for the antelope to eat. So right. the antelope eventually ends up eating the lion, eating the antelope that the lion ate. You know, it's, it's right. a full circle. Everything is just eventually eating itself through the things that eat it. And, and if you're only looking at it from the, the pace of our own lifetime, like relative to how long we live life, it, it might, and that's the problem that we get into that, that we only look at it from us, our perspective. So relative to our lifespan, some of these things can look like not so good of things. But when you zoom out and say, like, if you were to fast forward that whole process, it would just look like cells in a body 
having interactions with one another. Like if you looked into a microscope and you saw cells eating one another and consuming one another and being born and, and dying and, and that whole pro- like you wouldn't like be like, oh, that's a bad cell right there. You know, yeah. you, would, you would understand like, oh, like that's just what's happened. That, that's what it does. Like that's it cycles and that feeds that. And then after that, that dies. And you would you would see it that way. But because it's happening at, at, a, at, a, at a slower rate, slower vibration, like you said, doesn't make it evil. <laughs> You know, just because sure. you raise the, vibe, the the speed of it doesn't make it good. It's just Better. it is what yeah. it is, right? For sure. Yeah, I like the concept too that life is self similar, like this fractal thing, like you know the concept that Earth is a cell of a bigger organism, and how time kind of plays in. Where like the smaller you get, time gets faster, and the bigger you get, time gets slower. So like our entire existence, like everything that our Earth could possibly have ever been since the beginning of time. You know, if you look at our cells, like cells on your skin that die every day and, and mm-hmm. form and die in less than 24 hour cycles, like our entire millions, billion, whatever year existence is literally just this one little cell on some bigger organism that has literally nothing. And there's a huge grand scheme of time. And the same thing, our little cells, our entire universe is human races or races of animals and species that have gone so long, millions and millions of years in their perspective of time. And mm-hmm. that every minute that happens for us, every time that you brush your skin and throw something off and kill it, you know, every time you cut your toe and, you know, you, you kill cells, whatever, it's like a whole universe is like ending. Right. And, and, that, and understanding that relativity is what, you know, allows us to be in the space of, of, of being at peace with the way things are as well. Because exactly. You wouldn't you wouldn't look at a cell like you, like I said, like you wouldn't look into a, a petri dish of cells. And be like, oh, that cell is is bad because it's eating that other cell or it's killing that other cell. But if you saw a cell that was just out of control, uh, over consuming or throwing off the balance of things, you would say, well, things are out of balance. And I think that's where people get confused, this whole evil and good. Mm-hmm. I look at things as imbalance or out of balance. So, yep. um, so the way the earth is moving and humanity is moving is like they're, they're uh, shifting the balance. You know, it's out of balance. To, to uh the way it would be like in the ecology so so some of the cells are over consuming you know uh, more than they than they should or need to uh, but the fundamental it, but it doesn't matter if they're consuming one cell like if you look into a petri dish and you see oh it's just it's 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 killing off just that type of cell it, that wouldn't be the issue the issue is that it's killing off more than it should not that it's choosing a certain type of cell so that in the same way just because you're eating plants or just because you're eating from one kingdom if you're over consuming and and be throwing things out of balance, it's out of balance. It's not about the kingdom of the specific it's it's about Or someone's what, bad or something is like right, right. the culprit. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I I love that philosophy and it makes perfect sense in all in all facets. All right, let's see what else do we want to talk about. So I do want to briefly talk about fasting again, even though we've we've talked about it a little bit. Um, what I think is ideal, and this is just my opinion, that there mm-hmm. is a healthy balance between fasting and eating. So I don't think that we are supposed to be fasting forever or that we are necessarily supposed to be eating forever, but a balance. There is a time to fast. There is a time to eat. There is a time to do some kind of, you know, um, whatever whatever your life is calling you to do in that time, there is times where fasting is beneficial and going within is beneficial. But you know, if you if you fast all the time, 
you miss out on the groundedness and the connection to the external. And we are here in this human experience and we are here to be connected and grounded with our environment and with nature mm -hmm. that we are integrated with, you know, whether we like it or not, or, you know, that we should, you know, have no choice but to be here in the physical. And, you know, we kind of, if we go too deep into fasting and into the internal, you know, discovery, the, the inner space, you know, travel, we end up um, kind of neglecting this external and, right. you know, neither thing with eating, it's like, if you, you eat every day of your life, you'll never get to experience, you know, what your senses are capable to offer and the, the ability to have the breath awareness and the diaphragm range of motion and things that come along with fasting. So they both have their benefits and they both have, you know, they both have the, the capability of being overdone. There's, you can overfast and you can overeat and there should be a balance of both. I personally see myself going into what I call the breatharian state, doing an extended fast every now and then where like I really go into the state where I fast on liquids, fast on my own urine and then go into the, the dry state where I'm not thirsty, but I'm also not consuming liquids or food. And then I come out of that, you know, I go into that to learn. I feel like that's more of like the yin for me. We're like, I'm more introverted. I'm not really doing much. I'm not really talking to people. I'm going within myself for a period mm -hmm. of time. I learn things. I get the downloads for myself. And then I eat and I go back into my yang state where like I eat and now I can relate to people better and I can, you know, teach and do like my yang, my giving back to, to the world. So I feel like for me, that's my flow. That's what feels right for me lately. Um, I still love fasting and I have nothing bad to say about eating or fasting. Really, as long as everything is conscious and aware, the same thing is like if you're fasting unconsciously, it's not really as beneficial as eating unconsciously. It's the same thing. Right. So I feel like everything should be in balance. And yeah, I mean, if you have anything to add to that. Yeah. Uh, for me, it goes back to awareness. Like, what are you trying to accomplish? What do you have going on in your life and your reality? Because um, say you're trying to build a homestead and you're trying to build a house and you got things that you're doing physically like you're probably going to need to eat like you you know like mm -hmm. for me when i fasted on water like i was not capable of doing the same physical things that i would if i was eating so so in that circumstance you got to realize like do i need the you know the energy that that's provided by food to execute um the current circumstances in my reality so if if you have like a very physically demanding life um, and, and I wanted to touch on this too, but a lot of the reason why like the yogis and stuff go into fasting and stuff is because they revolve around civilization and, and what civilization provides. Somebody's growing the food, somebody's shipping it, somebody's mm -hmm. cooking it and bringing it to you. And so they, they create an environment to where, uh, you have the ability to just sit in meditation and have a soup every now and again, you know, uh, because that you don't got to work for. Right, right. But if you yeah. have to generate those ingredients and that food by yourself, uh, you would probably have to eat more frequently to have that uh, uh, energy and capacity to do that. So a lot of the spiritual practices are derivatives of, of civilizations, amenities as well. So uh, we don't really see that in traditional cultures. So uh, even if somebody was like a sh shaman or something, they also had knowledge on how to hunt and fish and, and acquire nutrients from the from the environment. You know, so that's another aspect that a lot of people don't talk about, but. Um, I think it's relevant that um, your spiritual experience and, and practices, what do they rely on and what allows you to execute them? And if they rely on civilization, well, then they're byproducts of that. But if you can have those same spiritual experiences in nature, in isolation, or in part of a tribe that, that lives in community with the ecology, then I think that um, they're more balanced and they make more sense to me 
uh, as a part of uh, of a human integration. So yeah, that, that's what it is for me. Sometimes, like I said, right now I'm doing liquids only, um, but I'm gonna go back to eating animal foods and plant foods and solid food in a minute. So it's just like, I see the value of it all as well. And I think that when we can do that and know what you need to do when, like say you're getting sick or something, or you feel like some ailment is coming, you might need a fast. Like that might be the right thing to do. But then other times, say you're trying to um, feel strength and, and have all this uh, energy and and to do execute a certain task, you might want to consume a certain thing, you know, like there's nothing wrong with that, but it's all about awareness of how and when to do it. Yeah. Another thing uh, I want to mention is like when it comes to like hunting and stuff, right? So we have like a whole, um, like I like the concept you brought up of everything being easy and these spiritual practices being made easy because like, you know, you could just get, you know, food that you don't have to really work for. It's kind of like the act of working for the food actually gives you the opportunity to eat less as well too. Like the whole time that you are going out to hunt, you're not sitting on the couch eating. You're not right. eating three <laughs> meals that day. You know what I mean? Like you are kind of fasting until you get, until you earn the food. So it's, it's kind exchange. of like a, it takes away it's the an exchange, exchange of energy. Exactly. You're giving energy to actually, you know, understand the animal, to track it down, to know where it's going to be, to find it and to actually, you know, kill it. So it's, you're giving energy to it and then receiving energy from it. Exactly. Yeah, it isn't like, even, there's another concept. And I it takes away the, quality, you know, cause right, we, right. We it balances that out. Eating. Right, right. Uh, uh, this concept that people have that food is free, like uh, food isn't free. Like, like you might not pay money for it, but you, there's an exchange that happens. Okay. Like, Unless somebody's bringing you the food directly to you and they're growing it and all this stuff, no, like in nature, like you have to go find food and that that's yeah. an exchange of energy. You have to hike, you have to go, and sometimes you got to climb a tree. That is energy that you you're, you have to use in order to gain that in new energy. So it's an exchange. Like this, people think that oh, why are we working? Because we would just we could just be eating grapes all day. Okay, but who grew the grapes? You know, like yeah. who grew the grapes? Who prepared and, the land for the grapes or, you know, right, right. found the grapes. <laughs> but again, like people aren't coming from this awareness of the ecology. They're just talking about mm. philosophies that sound good, but they don't necessarily translate to real life. So that's been my whole thing is seeing what translates to real life and what doesn't, what works in mm. a real life scenario and what doesn't and sorting everything out. Yeah, I've noticed that from my perspective over time, too. And I've seen myself evolve in this respect. You know, the more that I've lived in different areas, different countries, different islands and, you know, seeing what actually is done in real life with people and me, you know, originally thinking a lot of things that I heard from people or that I heard John Rose talk about or that I heard Arnold Everett say or that I heard Taylor Budd say or whoever it is, you know, that I learned from me kind of like initially piecing together things that made the most sense out of things that I heard. And then over the last couple of years, it's been me taking those things and actually putting them to the test in my own life and in real life and observing things for what they are and finding that things are, were not exactly the, the way that I thought that they were supposed to be or that they should mm -hmm. be. And right. really more so seeing like where the truth is in these things and where the, the mistruths or the misalignment in these philosophies lie. And one of the biggest one was the animal, the animal concept. Right. Yeah, same too. I, I busted a lot of myths in my um, in my process, in my journey, and I think it, I'm gonna continue to do that. And just even for myself, for sure. not like for the world, but just just you know, um, just for myself, things that I thought were true, or that people said were true, or that a meme on the internet said was true. Like we we just can't go based off of that. Like you gotta have a real world personal experience before you can like repost 
a meme as a as a fact, you know, and and I think that's yeah. a lot of a, the confusion today that people see something online and they automatically think it's true because because it, it looks convincing, but they never tested it for themselves enough to be like, no, that is true, you know. Like people say, like when they fast, they have a lot of energy. Like that wasn't my experience. Like I did not feel energized, you know, uh, when I when I fasted. Um, uh, but uh, but the, just you know, there's so many things I can go down a list of of all that. But so it's just like if if you take what you hear and you take it as fact, and, and your reality doesn't correlate that, but you still hold on to that, like you are literally a misrepresentation of of everything you believe because your reality, not you, you're the opposite of aware. You're unaware because your senses and your reality is telling you something, and you're no longer tuned into that because you. It's ignorance. Yeah, it's literally ignorance. You're ignoring because, life in front of you for an idea. Right, exactly. That's what ignorance is. Exactly. So, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Anything else? Um, yeah, so, I mean, I wrote this. We kind of talked about it. Kind of like how, you know, we think that going vegan in the beginning, you know, not eating animals is thinking that we are like, you know, like, up on like a high horse of like spirituality or morality. Um, I want to just talk about one other thing relating to that topic that we already discussed, just when it relates to um, eating a, eating a diet of only plants and how that actually doesn't correlate to morality at all. So it's not even to say that like it's better, but it's actually like could potentially be worse in a sense where Mm -hmm factory farming of the plants a lot of things that like and i've I posted about this and mentioned this before but like if you're eating like blueberries that are grown you know that are coming from whole foods or something they are mass producing this stuff in a field where they have to kill everything that could potentially eat it and they spray everything that kills everything that comes over there so that could be the birds that could be all the rodents the roaches the um you know the squirrels whatever it is you know the insects the bees the beetles the ants, it's all getting murdered. It's literally mm-hmm. genocide. So to consume something that's monocropped as a farm or something that's mass-produced plant-wise is actually not any more just or like involving less killing than actually just, you know, hunting an animal and killing it. Right. Or, you know, buying it directly from someone who just did. Yeah, anytime we outsource... Our responsibility we kind of become unaware of what the process truly takes you know so because we've outsourced our responsibility for growing our food or for harvesting our own food we don't really know what it takes to do that you know so because we're not there and we don't have the insight on what is necessary to produce the food it's easy for people to be like well this is a fruit like what, what what's the worst that could have happened for this to come to my plate you know but that lack of awareness is what allows people to feel self-righteous because they don't realize that, in fact, it took a lot of death. It took a lot of poisoning and destruction and, and imbalancing of the natural ecosystems that existed where your fruit was grown for you to have that fruit. Now, we can concentrate on, like, this goes down a hierarchy uh, as far as animals. Like, are insects less valuable than mammals? You know, and, and what that whole train of thought leads to. But at the end of the day, there was death that took place. And the vegans use that same logic to say, oh, what if it was your dog that someone was eating? 
But it's like, right. okay, what if it was the what if it was the ants that are in the soil that they're poisoning? You know, it's the same it's the same kind of deal. Yeah, and this uh, and I want to touch that on this a little bit, but um, veganism I sometimes can I can look at it like a form of narcissism because how we organize life. Um, so we we give value to sentience, right? Like this is what that's what they, the argument like. Well, sentient animals can feel and they can feel pain and they suffer. So we don't want them to feel that. But sentience is a human characteristic. So what we are uh, putting on a pedestal is just our own. We're projecting our own characteristics onto the animal. So because the mm. animal feels sentience, I feel sentience. Let's preserve anything that resembles closest to me. To me, yeah. Me, like I'm, I'm, I'm the model yeah. for for what needs to be uh, preserved and saved. Like uh, bugs die, that's cool. If plants die, whatever. If the bacteria die, I don't give a fuck. But if it starts to get close to what I look like, because I have this internal sense of like I'm, I'm, I'm on the hierarchy. I'm the most valuable thing. Then, then we start to have issues, right? Because, yeah, and it's the because, ignorance of that everything is a reflection of us and that we are part of something bigger. We are just one – like Nick is one part of the collective of what I am. And right. we identify with the physical body and with this avatar persona thing that we have going on here. And we don't see everything else as a reflection of us. And I did a video on my YouTube a while ago talking about how everything is sentient. Plants are sentient as well, and plants have awareness. And they right. do – you know, they protect themselves chemically because they can't run away and things like that happen. Exactly. And, <laughs> You know, yeah, at yeah, the time, that's so that true. We eat either of them, and now I'm kind of changing my mind. It's like we don't need to eat any of them, but we can eat them, <laughs> and yeah, yeah. Eat them in a way that is conscious and aware, and that does maintain balance. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It's like you can go either way with it because um, you can either decide that you have the ability to not do any of it, or that you have the ability to do all of it. You know, and to and to participate in all of it, and uh, and and then the balance would be like to experience both in periods and cycles you know to like to go inward and 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 be in solitary um and and then go out and have connections because to me that's what the human experience is you know is having connections with the with the world with reality and you know if you're fasting if you're not eating food like that just cuts out so much connections that you could potentially be having you know um because when you're eating is like well you relate to that world through that lens of of integrating things as a part of your body and stuff so, but yeah, I just look at that, like that hierarchy that we create as, as this egotistical thing that's being projected out into the world. That's not, that's the opposite of what it's meant to be, which is like, oh, we're, um, we, we care or we, we're selfless. It's really the opposite of that. You know, it's really just seeing yourself as the best thing in reality. And then uh, anything that um, resembles that you want to preserve. Hmm. Yeah, and, and so it's like uh, if plants feel pain or stress, do they have to feel it in the same way that you feel it for you in order to be able to say that we need to save them? You know, so it's, it really always comes back to the self of like we're just projecting. And that's what I realized. We're all projecting ourselves onto the world. So when we see a cow, we don't really see the cow. We see us. When we see that cow getting killed, we don't see the cow can kill. We see ourselves dying. And because we can't mm -hmm. handle our own mortality, we have issue with that. Yeah. 
Makes perfect sense. And from from my perspective, I've really seen myself gain awareness and more comfortability in this topic. And honestly, I feel way more at peace with myself in life than I ever have. And this perspective, yeah. you know, there's so much less fear and so much less like desire for it to be perfect and abstaining from everything. And it's kind of like, okay, there actually are options for things that we can consume that are not going to kill us consistently. And there are ways that we can, you know, do this and see the world for what it is. And I feel like with this awareness just comes like so much more peace. For sure. Yeah, I definitely feel it, feel it too. So, yeah, that's pretty much everything, everything that I wanted to cover in this, um, unless you had anything else you wanted to add. One thing I will say is that um, I saw your video um, about Earth being Pandora, like the movie Avatar being about Earth. And oh, yeah. Anybody who knows me like personally knows that I love that movie and talk about it like a lot, how that is like – it's about earth and there are so many things like I could talk like we could do a podcast episode just on that movie and talk about yeah. like the breakdown of all of it and how it's so like consciously put together. But um, yeah, to mention yeah. That. Well, and, and to me, that's literally like how I, what I see myself doing is going into having that connection, like how they had with, with the realm that they existed in the, the ecology that existed on, on their realm here on earth. And, and, that's we literally have that opportunity like it's really just right there but we don't tap into it like we don't go have the relationship with the animals with the plants um we don't build communities that are integrated in, in that way um that's why well one of my big things that i'm doing right now is that that's my goal like my long-term goal is to create a community where uh basically we coexist maybe like as a hunter-gatherer modern hunter-gatherer type of community but we do hunt and, and we utilize our ecology to gain food and to relate to it. And we heal with each other through community and through um, everything that we're talking about. Um, you know, because we, I do believe that community is, is the future and it's the past and it's a part of, of what we're supposed to be. That's why everybody's gravitating to online communities. But they're limited because they, they, you just, it's like dating somebody and seeing them only on the weekends. You give your best part to them. But uh, having been a part of a community and been integrated into it and you sleep together, you eat together, you do everything together, that creates a different level of, of reality that most people have never experienced. And, and openness. See, yeah, and I see there's a lot of benefit in it. And that's what basically that movie's about. Like, that's how they move. They move as a tribe. They were together. Mm -hmm. But now it's like everybody's got their own thing. Like, modern civilization is like every household is their own entity. and, and Their own space to hide. Right, right. Yeah. But I, I want to bring that and manifest that into an actual physical community where we have these experiences and we, I believe everybody has a gift and um, we share that with each other. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, for sure. So there's one comment um, and this was commented on one of my Instagram posts today too, that I did want to bring up. Um, yeah. I'm curious what you would have to say about this, about meat being a drug or a stimulant and how it's um, like not necessarily energy, but the idea of energy or false energy, and that mm -hmm. consuming blood of an animal is basically like drinking a adrenochrome. I'm oh yeah, to what that is. Um, what would you say to that? I have I have an answer, but I would like to hear yours first. I mean, I, I think uh, everything is a stimulant. You know, life life is stimulating. You know, like if you if you take enough sure. deep breaths, like you're gonna feel stimulated. Air is a drug too. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> You can't get away from stimulation, you know. Um, 
you can play with the different levels of density and stuff and, and the different types of stimulants and, and how they stimulate you, but everything is stimulating. Reality is, is uh, signals, it's information. Like you're getting signals, inputs and outputs. So when you take something in, it, it produces a, a output, you know, like it has a result to that. So we can't get away from that. To, to try to get away from that would be like the equivalence of non-existence, but we're existing right now, we're present. So. So I'm I'm okay with that with with uh, meat being a stimulant because I understand that everything is stimulating me in some way or another. Obviously, there's some stimulants that are much more powerful and that should probably be consumed at less frequent doses. Uh, but it's not the thing itself. It's it's the, the the how it's done and the awareness of of when to use it, like we've been talking about. Um, as far as adrenochrome, um, I don't know too much about that. I know it's something like that people say like celebrities use to like maintain their youth and stuff like that, but I don't know too much about that. So I guess I'll speak on that part. I agree with everything you said about the stimulation thing. Like literally everything is stimul is a stimulant. Air is a stimulant. An idea is a stimulant. You know, music is a stimulant. It's all stimulant and it's, you know, all food is also stimulation at the same time. So it's the same, it's, it's the same shit and sh should not be demonized. Right. But, um, Additionally, um, adrenochrome is basically like when they torture kids or like they rape kids and the torture, like then they release like an adrenaline, a version of adrenaline called adrenochrome in their uh, adrenochrome in their blood. And then mm. they kill them, the, the traumatized kid and then eat, like drink the blood. And that's what gives them like this rush and that like youthfulness or whatever. That's the concept behind what adrenochrome is. So okay. what I would say to that is there are ways to kill animals that aren't torture and aren't like complete like factory farming. You know, that totally is. If you're eating meat that you get from ShopRite or Whole Foods, it's different because it, they were lived their whole life in a factory and were like murdered in a way that wasn't like conscious or loving or – and there was no connection. And it was just mm -hmm. like that's what it was. So I could see that perspective being from the idea that everything is factory farming. But I mean in nature like – hunting an animal down and killing it isn't really torture. <laughs> You're not tying it up and keeping it in a cage and then slitting its throat in yeah. a cage that never got to experience life. That I could see being more adrenochrome, um, you know, like hitting the cow, like whipping the cow before you kill it to make it freak the fuck out or something. Like that would be adrenochrome, but just, you know, doing it in a loving way, um, in, a, in a way that is more aligned with nature and the way that people in nature have been doing it, it's, I wouldn't say that it's adrenochrome at all. And I also... Yeah. The last, the last concept would be the addiction, um, saying that it's addictive. Now, I can't speak on this personally because I haven't consumed meat in a way that I would be able to determine whether or not it would be addictive. But from my perspective with animal products, I've noticed that, honestly, the plant foods are addictive. <laughs> like, the starchy vegetables are super addictive. The nuts are super addictive. And honestly... Even fruit is addicted to some degree. I wouldn't say as much as the starch stuff is, but I mean, it all has to do with um, like the, the refined sugar type thing um, addicted. Yeah. And from what I've experienced with the milk, like there is no addiction. There are even some days where I'm like, I need a break from the milk. Like I don't, I don't right. have to drink it today, you know? Um, well, when it comes to my perspective, like on addiction, um, it's interesting because you can look at it like, well, addiction is bad uh, because, you know, like you want more and more of this thing. But then I would say, well, why do you want more of that? Well, what is the source mm -hmm. of that? You know, what is the source of, of you wanting to consume more and more of that particular thing? And in, I think in some ways and in instances, it could be, 
well maybe you're you really want more of that because it's good for you it's 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 calling it's having this magnetism to you that it's is what you need you. right in that moment right and, and, but then in other ways it's like well you can have an addiction that isn't conducive to you like a drug addiction or you doing heroin or such but then i would go into the source of that like why are you distracting yourself from reality because now that's an addiction that that is is manifesting as as just complete domination over your existence you know like that's all you care about that's all you think about um with food uh it's been my experience like i like to eat but it doesn't it's not like uh everything in my reality like i have a purpose in my life i have things that i do i have a business i have family i have community i have a lot of other things that i'm thinking about uh whereas like a drug addict somebody who's on heroin they don't give a fuck about none of that <laughs> they, all they want is that next hit so that's the level of addiction that i wouldn't have to source to where's that coming from as um as opposed to like meat or or animal foods uh then i would look at it more of like well that's attractive to me and i keep coming back to it because it does something good for me for sure yeah i'd like to really think that the only addiction is the addiction to like escapism whether that's like emotional whether that's physical whatever you're trying to escape you're only addicted to the escape and whatever it is that you use as a tool to escape mm. so the desire right. to escape reality or to run away the whole society concept in itself is an addiction it's the addiction to running away from reality and you know people can use anything as that escape basically anything in the physical world can be a tool to to escape the reality you can overeat anything and sit on the couch like a waste and be distracted or you can you know do all the heroin in the world and be distracted or you can use a person as a distraction and be addicted to your partner or whatever it is there's for sure it's not necessarily a substance that's addictive it's usually just the desire to escape and whatever it is that makes us want to escape more we escape and we like it and we want to do it again it doesn't really matter what it is right you know? And so, like, you know, and that's the thing with food that people want to, like, again, use it as a scapegoat. But a lot of times we have to look at ourselves and go and just understand why our behaviors are playing out through these different manifestations. Like, you know, the food, the addiction, the drugs, whatever. It really boils down to self and having an understanding of where that behavior is coming from. But I wanted to touch on um, this idea that animals can be boiled down or reduced down to, like, the last emotions that they experience. So to mm. say like an animal is like pain and suffering and trauma just because it died and experienced death is like me reducing somebody like that I knew that died um, and, 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 and not acknowledging all the other beautiful parts of, its, of their existence. You know, uh, so what if the animal did have a beautiful life? What if it had it enjoyed the food it ate? What if it enjoyed its environment, the days that it spent on the earth? But all we boil them down to is the last emotion that they feel, which is, you know, the pain and the trauma, which coincidentally is also the emotion that brings life into this world. When birth is a painful process, it's traumatic, it's, it's a lot of sh is going on. It's not this beautiful, airy fairy thing, you know. It, it, so it's like when we boil life and organisms down to one emotion and then try to project that that's all they are, I, I think that that's not honoring that organism and life itself as, as the totality of what it truly is. That makes sense. Yeah. I like that. You know, the idea of not like, yeah, reducing it to the, to the way it went out and right. for all that it was. And it's like to think, you know, do we want to also be remembered in that way? Do we want to be known as the way we went out or what killed us or the way, you know, 
whatever we did at the end of our live or do we want to be known for who we are and what we did and what we stood for and what we did with our lives and you know all of that for exactly. our whole beat exactly. and i mean either way does it really remember doesn't matter if we get remembered at all but i mean the idea of like nature respecting itself and everything you know not doing anything out of like disrespect or or to shrink the idea of something for the sake of inflating ourselves mm. exactly So yeah, that's pretty much everything, unless anything from the comments that you've noticed that you want to bring up, or anything else you want to add on this topic while while we got everybody on here. Yeah, I mean, um, I think we covered pretty much everything that um, I talk about, like just on a general, you know, basis. Um, yeah. Cool. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one last thing I did want to add. Um, a lot of people have their perspectives to why they eat the way they eat. Um, and it's not always like we're not always in, on the same frequency of why we're doing what we're doing. So some people eat for health. Some people eat for morals and ethics. Um, there's also this concept of eating for sovereignty. So when it comes to like mm. sovereignty, like the antithesis to that is like restriction. So the reason that humans are here is because we're omnivores and we've been conscious omnivores for most of our existence but that has allowed us to adapt. Intelligence is the ability to adapt. So because we were uh, able to adapt and utilize multiple kingdoms of life for sustenance, we've been so prolific. Uh, so when it comes to trying to get back to that, coming away from civilization and regaining that sovereignty, the more options you have, the more it facilitates that. So if you're restricted to one kingdom of life, trying to get out of the system or, or become sovereign, is going to be a, a bigger task and it's going to take you longer than if you would have give yourself access to all that the ecology and nature has to offer uh, because you would need to plant a garden you would need to plant fruit trees most fruit trees take at least five years five to ten years sometimes to to grow and produce fruit uh you're going to need to learn gardening skills and you're going to need to learn a lot to just to be able to sustain off of the plant kingdom but if you start incorporating animal foods, and especially if you live somewhere like I live, I live on an island, so we have access to the ocean. We also have wild game that roams, you know, the ecology. Now you're just exponentially giving yourself opportunity to sustain yourself away from the system of civilization um, uh, through the ecology. So for me, conscious omnivory is also a route to sovereignty for human beings who are seeking that experience. So um, when I'm talking, I'm also talking from that perspective, not just about health and morals and ethics and all that, but also to, to liberate and, and, and make people independent for their own life, for their sustenance. Because right now, most of us are relying on the system, on other people, farmers, on all these other uh, avenues. Um, so it's like, to me, that's the fastest gateway is just to have access to all the kingdoms of life. Hmm. Yeah, and to be a protector of them and to, you know, allow them to flourish under your guidance and under your protection, you know, because it's, it's all symbiosis. It's to create, I guess, that symbiosis to make everything work together, which is a beautiful thing. And honestly, like in my perspective, like from when I was going onto the breatharian path, you know, it was all about sovereignty. It was all mm -hmm. about showing myself what I don't need and me being free from everything, including food, me being free from this illusion of lack, as I refer to it. You know, the idea that I lack something and that I already don't have everything I need um, was a big thing for me and being sovereign from like my 
my feelings of being not enough. And mm -hmm. I feel like through fasting, I did learn that there is really, that I can do a lot with just myself. But I mean, when you go through a lot of extended fasting, you really get to a, a state when you fast long enough where you're so hypersensitive that it's like tripping on mushrooms all the time, like perpetually. And you get yeah. to the point eventually where like you don't even really want to sleep because you just have so much energy. But like you also don't really want to talk to people and noises are too loud and lights are too bright and things are like it's just so much sensitivity. And it's not really realistic in today's world to maintain that just for the sake of being sovereign. And there's ways to be sovereign without having to abstain from literally everything. I still right. do think that the path to sovereignty is discipline. The path to peace, the, the path to peace is chaotic. You know, everything mm. is paradoxical. But that being said, abstaining from everything isn't the only way to be disciplined either. So right. I totally align with your perspective on this and how, you know, omnivory can play, uh, can be a very, um, you know, from my opinion, from what I've heard and what I've experienced and what I've tried, a more aligned path to sovereignty. Hmm. Yeah, and it's also a path that integrates others and, and you know our community. And so it's like even if we have the capacity to to have certain disciplines, uh, you know, we, we we shouldn't expect others to do that. You know, and we should also provide spaces for others who who perhaps you know don't want to tap into that, but so that we can exist you know harmoniously still like us like if we go out and hunt and there's people who want to eat like we feeding them and you know and that i think that there's a lot of benefit that we're not tapping into that when it comes to community because you know like like you said like you tapped into sovereignty but it was on an individual basis it wasn't like including other reflections other parts of yourself in this reality and i think that that is going to tap us into a whole different reality that we're really going to enjoy and also it's going to challenge us of course because it's duality but i think it's just another level of of understanding that that people haven't yet done well modern people i should say that we come from that but modern people it's like i look forward to going out and hunting and, and, and bringing it back to a community of people for us to eat together and celebrate and, and and live and grow and see each other live and die and be born like that's that's amazing to me like people we've done that always but now we're we're, we're insulated from that. We don't see people be born and we don't see people die. Like we, we, we're blocked from that. But that, that to me is very intimate is to like have this experience on this realm with somebody to that degree, like, and especially with a group of people, like that's what I'm looking to create. For sure. Yeah. I've noticed, I mean, as society, like we are also very attached from birth too. I, I think you did a video about this, how we're detached from the process of birth and the process of death. So a lot of our detachment from death also stems from our disconnect from the process of birth and how, you know, we're born in hospitals and we get vaccinated and, you know, for men, like they cut our dicks and like all different things. Like trauma happens with birth, a lot of trauma associated with birth um, right. and a lot of um, disconnect with our mothers because of the environment in which we were born and things that relate from that. And I feel like that plays a role as well too. Like being in a community where everything is done. We, you know, you see people be born, you see people die, like you said, and it's a beautiful process and you get to really fully experience everybody around you instead of just the parts of them that, you know, they decide to show you whenever they come out of their hiding house. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's more real. It's more of like a real life. It's like you see everyone for what they are. There is no hiding. You sleep together. You, you're awake together. You do everything together and you really get to experience that. When I held this retreat on, on Maui in November called uh, Garden of Tartaria, 
Um, we called it a festival. It was a five-day fasting retreat in Maui. And this was the first time that I really had a community of people, like a serious like group of people that were all really on the same, on the same wave, you know, same frequency, playing the same song, you know, right. doing the same routine. And it was pretty awesome. You know, we're all like getting naked in waterfalls and, you know, doing whatever and drinking juice. And it was really an interesting thing for me and kind of a big step out of my comfort zone to sleep with the group and everyone be with the group like 24 hours a day all together. And honestly, at the end of the five days, and it was only like, you know, not even a week, it was like, I felt more connected to those people than people that I've known my whole life. Hmm. Yeah. It's like being in that space with someone is so powerful. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think uh, most people underestimate the power of community. And, and, you know, I I, I think, uh, and they also like, uh, don't understand there's differences between like online communities and physical communities and, and, what does that even really look like, you know, because most people think community is like, oh, it's just this group of people. Like, I'm talking about a tribe, like, like people that you exist with. Like, that's, you know, that's that's a different level of community. It's, it's literally like family, like, you know, but extended. Yeah. yeah and so, I sure. think, yeah, that, and that's something that happening. I have no experience with that I like long for, to be honest. Like, this journey for me has been pretty isolating to be honest i mean as far as an online community versus a per- in-person community like i have a great online community there's twenty-one thousand people that follow my page and you know i they all have their two cents about everything i have to say but like as far as like a personal like community people like a tribe like people that i do everything with yeah. you know i can't really say there's more than a handful of people and it's changed over time it hasn't been consistent you know i have friends when i'm in one area and yeah. you know traveling has you know a place in in the reason for that but i mean it, i feel like there are more people than the internet makes us think there are or that like this journey seems like that like we're all just online but like none of us actually exist in real life all of us are together on this online platform but why do none of us have friends that are in alignment so many people message me and say <laughs> what do i do nobody in my life understands this whatever and i felt the same thing and it's like all right well like i know there's at least a couple hundred thousand people on instagram that are on this path that are either going, you know, into the fasting lifestyle or into the, just any kind of like trying to figure this shit out type lifestyle, trying to figure their shit out. There's a lot of people that care and that are on this path that can align with where you are on your path. And I feel like because we spend so much energy onto the internet and so much energy on things that are not in the present moment, you know, we focus more on the information and less on, you know, the embodiment of that information. And as a result, we see all of our friends being online where we get all our information and not in real life where we should be getting our information. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, we're moving into a space where everybody's has this desire to create communities. And I see a lot more of it now becoming more prevalent and the internet is kind of like the perfect place. Like to me, I look at it like we weren't born into this natural community that we would have existed in before, but now we're kind of all separated all throughout the world. And now we're like having to find each other and come together and, and, and connect through the things that we find interest in to, to actually create communities to go forward into the future, you know, because before like you would have been born into that, but like we weren't, we just kind of like these cultural orphans, you know, and that's what I look at it as like, we don't, we don't have this lineage of, of traditions and cultures, or it was cut off. It's for most of us at some point, you know, even for myself, you know, so just going back and kind of uh, recreating that, going forward into the future is is my goal is just instilling these these traditions uh this knowledge of the land this knowledge of the ecology and this wisdom 
and passing that on to, you know, to the, to the next generations. Yeah. It's beautiful stuff. Really is. All right. That's pretty much everything. I think <laughs> not too much. Good, good two hours. Yeah. We talked about <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Two hours. Wow. Yeah. So, um, thank you Ketzel for coming on here. Everybody, uh, where, where could they find you? Would you have a website or, you know, your business, you know, feel um, free to. Uh, yeah. I'm building out my website um, right now is, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be wildketzel.com, but I don't have any, I haven't built it yet. Um, but, uh, you can find me on every platform on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube as wildketzel. And, um, yeah, my business is I do, uh, design for design, like uh, branding and websites for conscious companies, people who like, you know, like us that, that want to see and, and work and prove on, on the, themselves in the world. And yeah, so that's, that's what I do on a business uh, aspect is. Yeah. Cool. Thank you, bro, for coming on, sharing the wisdom and, uh, you know, saying wisdom instead of knowledge because it's, it's been, a, the knowledge has been applied and the wisdom has been obtained. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Thank you for sharing all that you are and all that you had for, for this live. And, uh, yeah, thanks for coming on here and being open to talking. And I know, like, you don't know me or whatever. It's cool to have people on with different perspectives. And honestly, I really, really am aligning with everything that you're about and everything that we talked about in this live. Um, really grateful. Really, really grateful. Yeah, I'm and grateful for having me. Appreciate that, bro. Yeah, so thank you, everybody, for, for coming in. This is the Grow From The Garden podcast, episode 10. And we'll see you guys in the next episode. You can follow me on Instagram at Grub from the Garden at G R U B from the Garden. On every other platform, I'm the Caputo Method. So Twitter, the Caputo Method, YouTube, the Caputo Method, thecaputomethod.com, and that's pretty much it. You can find me on any of those. So uh, much love, everybody. Aloha, peace. <laughs>